Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good evening, everyone. It is Saturday, October the 28th, 2023. It is currently 9.29 p.m. Central Time, and I am coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. It's Saturday evening. Now, plenty of times when I am in the studio on a Saturday evening, there, there have been plenty of times. When I am in the studio on a Saturday evening, I have a tendency to turn on the microphone and talk about things directly related to, well, what's going to happen at church tomorrow. I talk about preaching, maybe the church and what the church is doing. Usually it just has something kind of pointing in that direction. And well, guess what? This is no exception to that. It, it's not really a rule, but it just seems to be a pattern that has, uh, has been established just because Typically, when I'm in the studio on a Saturday night, it's because I'm thinking about what is getting ready to happen tomorrow at my church, what I'm going to preach, what I'm going to teach, what's going to happen. Will it be good? Will it be bad? How will the day go? Will it be a good day? Will it be a bad day? Will it be frustrated? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm already thinking that way. So then if I decide to turn on the microphone and go live, well, then I have a tendency to just, well, go that direction. So I think that makes sense. So here's my question. Tomorrow morning, when you wake up, you get in your car, and you go to your church, what kind of preaching are you going to hear? What type of sermon is going to be preached? Will it be a topical sermon? Will it be more of a devotional sermon? Will it be your standard three points an illustration and a prayer kind of sermon. What kind of sermon? How would you classify the preaching at your church? Would you classify the preaching at your church extremely in-depth? Would you classify your uh, preaching at your church extremely textual, that it's very much driven by the text and nothing is skipped and every problem is dealt with in every issue? Or would you say it's more topical? Or you may want to use the word, it's expository preaching. My pastor goes verse by verse. Now, is it really verse by verse? Or does he take a section, break that section down into basically three points, maybe offer kind of an outline of that section? Each point is supposedly coming from the text. But when you're done, did you really learn about the text or did you really learn about the points that supposedly came from the text? That's a subtle difference. A lot of people don't really, a lot of people say, my church is expository. I go listen to it. I'm like, that they, he 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 put three he supposedly took those three points from the text i'm thinking those three points were imposed uh, on the text because he got them from the macarthur commentary or he got them from i usually know the commentary on which those points came from maybe they're restated a little differently but they're basically the same points so sometimes you feel like well those points came from the text because he told you they were found in the text but were they really so when it was done did you really understand the text or just these three overarching points that supposedly came from the text. So did you did you really deal with the text? Well, so what kind of preaching? Do you care? Do you have a preference? Do you have a preference? Now, people definitely have preferences. You know how I know? 
they will leave your church once you're preaching. No longer is their preference. Okay, I, that that will happen really, really, really quick. Okay, and, or when you're not preaching what they want to hear. So people have a preference. People choose a church. Look, they're going to choose a church. There's going to be a lot of factors. Music is whether whether we like it or not. That's a factor. The building, oh, people don't ever want to say that they're that shallow. Give me a break. The building, friends, the friendliness of the people. Does it have a good community, a good vibe? Are there lots of activities and plans so that you feel you can get involved? And then they will say the preaching. Now, what I've found is if everyone loves those other things, they always say the preaching is amazing. The preaching is great. And then you go, oh, really? And you go listen to the sermons and like... You really are classifying that as great, as amazing, as in-depth. I can look at the text and look at 37 things that weren't even dealt with. So, but, but it's amazing. If you love everything, the preaching is great. If you start having a problem with the pastor or something he said or something he's teaching, then all of a sudden, the preacher that you said was so amazing and the preaching was so good, you're like, oh, well, it's not really that good. And then, and then you start nitpicking and then, next thing you know, you find another church. Do you think there is a certain kind of preaching that is the one every pastor is supposed to do? Or do you think pastors have a choice? Do you think that there is a biblical form of preaching versus an unbiblical? Do you believe there's a kind of preaching a church must give and if they don't give that kind of preaching, they've entered into sin. Now, I don't know if you remember, there was a time, there was much controversy. Well, I don't know if I classify it as controversy. There were very strong opinions. And basically, it was like, if your church is not using expository preaching, in other words, going verse by verse through a book, then your church is not doing it right. Your church's preaching is flawed, faulty, may even be almost questioned the, the validity of the preaching of the church, almost as if the pastor is in sin. And there's been some pushback on that. Now, I haven't heard a lot of discussion about expository preaching in a very long time. I really haven't. I think a lot of people just kind of, I think, I think typically what pastors kind of do is they may, they may be committed to a certain style, but hey, if the church is growing, and numerically, money is coming in and everything seems to be going great. You're, you're less worried about the preaching style and you're just worried about maintaining and growing, right? So I think some people, when you're, when you're young, you may say, this is the way to preach, right? And then when you become a pastor, you realize there's about a million other issues you have to worry about because you got to keep people happy and people leaving the church and money and buildings and, and all the other things that you have to deal with. So I don't know if it's as much as an issue today, but recently a podcast dealt with this subject, the Fundamental Baptist Podcast, the Fundamental Baptist Podcast. We've talked about this pad- podcast before. We've reviewed a few episodes. Uh, well, man, I don't even know where a few episodes. Maybe we just reviewed the first one. I don't remember. But the Fundamental Baptist Podcast, go subscribe to it. Please subscribe to it. The Fundamental Baptist Podcast. Give them their your you know your downloads and your streams. Let them benefit from you hearing this. Um, I don't always agree with everything in it, but again, it's another theological based podcast that I subscribe to, and I always find you know something interesting. 
the Fundamental Baptist Podcast. And what day was it? What day was it? Um, let me see if I can find here. On June the 13th, so it's been a little while. I, I just recently saw it. June the 13th, 2023. June the 13th, 2023. Episode 48. The, the title of this episode is, Is Expository Preaching Creating Heretics? Whoa. Is Expository Preaching Creating Heretics? Now, I remember the day when it was basically expository preaching is the cure to protecting people from heresy. That the way to combat heresy was expository. Expository preaching was the solution. If you're doing verse-by-verse teaching, you'll protect people from heresy. Your church will be theologically sound. Your people will spiritually grow. It's the way to spiritual victory. That And, and I, you know, I, I was taught all of the ways in which that was the right way to preach. And, and I, I have nothing against expository preaching, but... It was definitely sold that way. So I was a little taken back when now I see a podcast episode saying, wait, the opposite. Basically asking the question, is expository preaching creating heretics? And I'm like, wait a minute. I thought expository preaching was the cure to heresy. Now someone's asking the opposite question. I don't know what they say because, you know, whenever we get ready to review audio, you know what the rule is. I don't listen to it. So whenever I see an episode going, I'm going to listen to that. Well, then I always choose to listen to it with you live on the air for one of our podcast episodes. So we're going to listen to it. We'll review it, critique it, analyze it. I have no idea what they're going to say. I don't know if we'll finish it now. We'll just spend a little bit of time. But hey, it's a perfect subject for a Saturday evening because many of you will be at church tomorrow and you're going to hear some kind of preaching. Is it the right kind of preaching? Is it the wrong kind of preaching? Do you really care how the sermon is being delivered? You care more if you like it, if it's interesting, if it's not boring. And if you agree with it, because that's really the standard, right? People say, what's the standard in which people, uh, you know, critique the word of God being preached? And of course, I want to say, it's the word of God. I compare what they say to the scriptures. Now, you compare it to what you think the scriptures say, and it is basically on what you like or don't like. But I, I hate to be so jaded. But let's, let's look at this, all right? So before we dig into this, let's at least try to define what we mean by expository preaching, all right? And I'm going to borrow from an article that was published on April the 18th, 2017. What is expository preaching? And they, they literally, in this text, say, so what exactly is expository preaching? They said that they have looked for a sampling of definition, definitions from some prominent authors who defined exposition in their books on preaching. Although the list has a variety of definitions, I trust you will see many common themes emphasized here. So the first person they quote is John MacArthur, and he quotes expository preaching, kind of really known for, you, you, you think John MacArthur, you think lordship, and you think expository preaching, right? So the me, he says, the message finds its sole source in scripture. The message is extracted from Scripture through careful exegesis. Now, every, I think everyone thinks they're doing exegesis, but uh, I, I digress, right? The message preparation correctly interprets Scripture in its normal sense and its context. The message clearly explains the original God-intended meaning of Scripture. The message applies the scriptural meaning for today. All right? 
So you kind of got some exposition, exegesis, and application going on there, right? Uh, Brian uh, Brian Chappelle says this, the main idea of an expository sermon, uh, I'm sorry, the main idea of an expository sermon, the topic, the divisions of that idea, main points, and the development of those divisions all come from truths the text itself contains. No significant portions of the text is ignored. In other words, expositors will willingly stay within the boundaries of the text to, tr- to and do not leave until they have surveyed its entirety with its hearers. Now, that sounds like, hey, you stay in the text and you do not leave the text and you cover everything. All right. I, I like that. All right. No, no portion of it is ignored. I like that. I, I think that's a good idea. That's a, I think it's a good idea. Now, does everyone actually do that? Again, I think some people give you the, the illusion that they're giving you expository. But really, they're looking at the text. Supposedly, they're taking points from the text. Maybe the points directly come from the text. But sometimes I think you actually, the points actually are not, how can I say this? The points become the the focal point, not the text. And you think the points are coming from the text, but do they really come from the text? Sometimes I think the points are being imposed upon the text. I know that's a, it's very hard to see that it's subtle, but I'm telling you, people can be fooled into thinking, well, yeah, we covered, we covered John chapter three and here were the three points and they came from the text. The first point came from verse three. The second point came from verse six and the third point came from verse eight. And you go look at it and you go, um, did, 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 is the text really saying that? Did those points really get taken from the text? Really? Because I don't know if I see it. John Stott, uh, exposition refers to the content of the sermon, biblical truth, rather than its style, a running commentary. To expound scripture is to bring out the text what is there and expose it to view. The expositor opens up what appears to be closed, makes plain what is obscure, unravels what is knotted, and unfolds what is tightly packed. Now, I, I do, see, to me personally, I think you should, in expository preaching, you take the text and go, hey, ladies and gentlemen, we got about 50,000 problems here. This thing is a mess. But but typically, expository preaching is very nice and it's like, here's the text. Now we're going to work through it. Boom, boom, boom. And I just think sometimes it's an illusion that looks like the text is being dealt with. That that's my own feeling. You you can just now I'm not now I'm not saying that's true of all expository expository preaching. I think a lot of times what's given out as expository is it just appears that it's an expository preaching, but in reality, someone looked at the text, they might have done a little bit of their work, they looked at some commentaries, came up with three or four points for that section of scripture, and say, today we're going to cover John 3, 1 through 8, and here's the three points that we're going to derive from it. And it looks like it's expository. I, I, and I think it's more eisegesis than ex- exegesis, but we, we can con- continue on. Alistair Begg says, unfolding the text of scripture in such a way that makes contact with the listeners, uh, the listeners world while exalting Christ and confront- confronting them with the need for action. All right. Uh, uh, Haddon Robinson, the communication of a biblical concept derived from and transmitted through a historical, grammatical, and literary study of a passage and its context, which the Holy Spirit first applies to the personality and experience of the preacher, then through him to the hearers. 
All right. So they go through a, a bunch of these. Um, I, I could read all of these. I think you basically have an idea that expository preaching, the, what the, the concept is, the, the concept is, is that I stand, and let's say if I'm going to say, I'm going to preach uh, Isaiah 46. That's just where my Bible opened to, right? I'm going to preach Isaiah 46, right? Well, then what will I do? I need to put Isaiah 46 first in its historical context the context of the book, all right? Here's Isaiah, da, da, da. Here's kind of where we are in Isaiah 50, 46, I'm sorry. Here's kind of where we go. Then we're going to go through, here's maybe a basic overview of the chapter, a basic summary or outline of the chapter. And now we're going to start working through it verse by verse. And we're going to try to, we're going to, we're going to try to figure this out. We have Baal boweth down, Nebo stoppeth their idols. Um, our, uh, Nebo stoppeth, I'm sorry, Bell boweth down, Nebo stoppeth. Their idols were upon the beast and upon the cattle. Your carriages were heavy lo- lay, uh, laden. They are a burden to the weary beast. Okay, and you've got, okay, we got a lot going on here. So you take every little bit of it apart. You try to explain what's going on. And, and you're not so worried about having three or four nice little points more than you are to, when the people are done, they can say, here's Isaiah 46. Here's its historical context. Here's what's going about. Here, that Bell is referring to this. Nebo, stoppeth, is referring to this. Their idols were upon the beast and upon the cattle. This is what that means. Uh, your carriages were heavy laden. Well, this is what that means. Uh, they're a burden to the weary. This is, and, the, and people now can tell you and explain what the text means. Not just walking away with three points taken from the text, but they actually know the text. They actually know the text. And a pastor can act like they're doing expository, but all they're really doing is giving you points, supposedly from the text, but magically in many cases, I think they're being imposed upon the text. And it's hard to find that distinction. And it's hard to see that. Now, with all that said, we're now going to go to the Fundamental Baptist podcast, right? I think that's always forget the actual name of it. The Fundamental Baptist podcast. There we go. The Fundamental Baptist podcast. And we're going to see why they created an episode seemingly at least asking the question, is expository preaching creating heretics? Now, my view of expository preaching may be different than yours. That's why there's so many different definitions. There's a lot of definitions. A lot of times where people go, oh, man, it was good expository preaching. I'll listen to it and going, I, I don't, I don't see that that was good expository preaching. I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't. But, but that's, I digress. You can, you can, we could probably have a disagreement on it, but that raises all kinds of other questions, but. For now, let's go to this podcast. Again, the Fundamental Baptist Podcast. Let's ask and try to figure out why they did an episode. Why they did an episode. Why? That's entitled. Is this is expository preaching creating heretics? Is this just a sensational title where they're going to actually say, no, it's not actually doing it? Or do they really have problems with expository preaching? Do they have problems with expository preaching or do they have problems with a certain kind of expository preaching? I have no clue. I want to know. And you, you want to know too. That's why you're still listening. So here we go. Hello and welcome, David Baker. Welcome to the Fundamental Baptist Podcast. We're glad that you're here, and uh, I'm really glad that you're here today. Um, this topic, will this get me into trouble? I'm sure not at all. Did you see the title of it? 
is expository preaching creating heretics? Okay, is expository preaching creating heretics? Uh, we will get into that. We did one podcast on styles of preaching, and I had a couple other uh, guys help me with it. And this was not a battle started by us. I don't care if people preach expository preaching or textual preaching or topical preaching. Um, as long as it's biblical, okay, it's truth. There's uh, not any error or heresy in it. And I think the preaching should be spirit-filled, not filled with the flesh. Uh, by the way, it's amazing how many people judge other preaching that it's filled with the flesh. Oh, he tells too many stories. What, like Jesus, <laughs> like Paul. He talks about himself too much, like Paul, every time he preached. Let me tell you about a man. Uh, who's he talking about? Himself. Um, it's amazing. Or uh, the preaching is too hard, it is too mean, too strong. Really? Uh, yeah, Jesus would never preach like that. Uh, he would never call names. <laughs> Have you read the Bible? Uh, people ask many times, hey, what's your favorite sermon? Uh, my favorite sermon is Matthew 23. Okay, Matthew 23. Go ahead and read Matthew 23, and you tell me how he preached that. Do you think it was like this? Uh, well, when do you, uh, scribes and Pharisees, uh, hypocrites, you do compass sea and land to make one proselyte, and when he has made, ye have made him a twofold more child of hell than yourselves. You think that's the way he preached? <laughs> I'm sorry. That was really hard to say that way, much less for Jesus to be in an open air and preaching. Okay. Well, one of you blind guides which say, whosoever shall swear by the temple is nothing, but whosoever shall swear by the gold of the temple is a debtor. Ye fools, ye blind, whether it is uh, greater the gold or the temple that sanctifieth the gold. What does he call him? Hypocrites, blind guys, serpents, fools. Are you kidding? He's calling them names and he's hard with the religious. Exactly. Now, I know this may not be their point, but remember, we always take what they do and we, you know, we kind of analyze, critique, and we really just use a lot of audio that we listen to to really go our own direction. But it raises a very important question. Judging. I'm writing this down. Judging, preaching, judging, preaching. You do it. I've done it. Right? If, you, if you're listening to me tonight, I, I don't know which platform people are listening to me tonight, but let's say you're listening to me using either beta.sermonaudio.com, the Sermons 2.0 app, uh, that platform. You have access on that platform to like a million sermons, right? I mean, it's insane. Well over a million, probably close to two million sermons. I don't know the exact number, but it's insane, right? It's like the largest archive of preaching anywhere in the internet. It, you're so much. Now, when you start listening, you make a judgment probably relatively quick, right? Because you listen, you hit play, and there's probably how many times have you stopped a sermon, and just said, I'm just going to go listen to something else. How many times maybe you're looking at all the live webcasts and you're like, eh, no, eh, no, 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 no. Maybe it's the sound of their voice. Maybe you don't like this. Maybe you don't like that. Maybe you don't like this. You make, who knows how many judgments you make within a five or 10 minute period. When, you, when you're looking for Christian podcasts, how quickly do you judge and then decide you're going to listen or not listen again? It can be on the sound of their voice, the tone of their voice, their accent. Uh, it could be if they're loud, if they're quiet, if they're monotone, if they're overdramatic, whatever the case may be. You judge, you judge, you judge. When you get in the car after church, come on, come on, come on. How much of it, this is something to ask yourself, when a sermon is over at your church, 
how much of it is really discussing the text, the doctrine of theology, and how much of it is judging the preaching. You're judging. I didn't agree when he said this. I didn't agree this. I didn't like this. I didn't like this. I didn't like this. I didn't like this. What about this? What about you just, you're judging. Are you judging? What are you judging? Now, why are we so prone and so quick? I can't speak in church history, but especially in the modern evangelical church and especially in modern times where you have access to a bazillion sermons, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I, I mean, literally, I mean, a bazillion, I know it's a little bit of hyperbole, but it's not much. You have access to basically all the preaching and church history. You've got them in written form, audio, video. You have literally access to, you've got more preaching that available to you than you could listen to in your entire lifetime. And that's if you were listening 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and you never slept, ate, did anything. When you've got that much preaching available to you, you can listen to what you like. So therefore, it becomes very quick to, you're making preferences. I'm not going to listen to that. I'm not going to listen to this. I don't know. On the Sermons 2.0 app, do you have uh, in your feed, how many people do you follow? Now, why do you not follow some? Because you judge, you don't like it. You may say, I disagree with this or disagree, but you're making some kind of judgment. When it comes to preaching, people judge all the time. Too long, too loud, too this, too this. And we love to to clothe our judgment of preaching and very religious terminology to justify it. Fleshly, ungodly, too angry, too this, too that. To the, and we, and we always feel like that our judgments are, uh, we think our judgments are always superior. Our judgments are always the right ones. When people just, when people decide, I don't like that pastor anymore. I don't like what he teaches. You're making the judgment and you are basing it on the fact that you 100% positive that your judgment is right and they are wrong. I mean, there's some, there's a little bit of arrogance in that. And trust me, I'm not standing here judging others who did it. I've spent plenty of time judging preaching. Plenty of time. So, judgments happen. And we always think our judgments are scriptural, biblical, and spiritual. Let's see where they take this. That's what's needed. So um, it's amazing how much criticism there is of the real-type preaching on um, a few different uh, places, a bunch of independent Baptist groups. I posted this question, this survey, or this question. Say, hey, what sermon changed your life? What sermon did God use to change your life? I got a couple hundred uh, people in all the different places that answered that. A couple hundred. It was amazing. (laughs) Let's see. Was it expository preaching? That a sermon like that, a textual preaching, or a topical preaching? Would you like to take a guess? <laughs> okay, um, yeah, every one of them, without fail, every one was topical preaching. One person said, uh, "Any expository sermon, <laughs> which means you can't point to any expository sermon that changed your life." Oh, just yeah, all the expository sermons that I've heard, every one when they named a sermon, it was a topical sermon. Every one. They can bring you back to the date, the time, the place, when it was preached, where it was preached, who preached it, and how God used that sermon to change their life. That's why God said the foolishness of preaching. God chose the foolishness of preaching to save them that belief. Um, And I think we are really, really messing up when all we do is expository preaching. And it does get into heresy, and I'll share that with you in a minute. 
Now, that's not a scientific argument, really. I mean, it's a, it's a it's very much an experimental, experiential, because a couple of hundred people said the sermons that changed their life were topical. And that ex- almost making then, then he's taken from that, extracted from that kind of ex- experimental, experiential survey and say, well, then expository preaching doesn't change people's lives. Now, we could ask, why do the topical sermons change their lives? It's because topical sermons are less worried about the text and all the the textual issues and the theological issues and the difficulties and the historical context and figuring out the definition of words. And it's more interested in maybe in a more emotional appeal, a more um, driving, maybe more convicting, more confronting, more more emotional, more experiential. And, and therefore people remember it because they have some kind of an emotional reaction to it. Now, the key is, what changed their life? Was it the text or was it the speaking ability of the one preaching? Because if the if you say that sermon changed my life, well, shouldn't it be the text changed your life? What what should be the key? What changed your life? The text or the preaching? And if the preaching changed your life, I don't know. Is that a good thing? Well, I guess in some ways it could be a good thing. If you're, if you're struggling with some sin or you're going the wrong direction and you're getting yourself closer and closer to a major problem and then a topical sermon comes along and that sermon maybe not be that, that expositional, maybe not even really dealing with the text, but boom, you're awoken and you realize, what am I doing? And you start making necessary changes to protect yourself, protect whatever the case may be. Well, then is that a good thing? even if it wasn't necessarily motivated by the text? See, what's the goal in preaching? Changing a life or expound or being faithful to the text. Let me state it this way. What's the, what's the goal in preaching? Changing lives or bringing understanding to the text. Because if the goal is to change life, if the goal is to motivate change, challenge, you know, people's life and to help and courage, well, then that's a whole different way of preaching. That's a whole, like you're, when you're putting together your sermon, you're then thinking of illustrations, you're thinking of timing, you're thinking of, of, of different, your, your whole, you're, you're, you're creating a speech that's, that's trying to motivate, that's trying to, to impact. You're not so much going, all right, guys, what we're going to be doing for the next hour is we're going to be working on this text. We're going to dig in. We're going to dig in and we're going to, because I think sometimes those who just dig into the text believe it's the text that's supposed to change the life. Not me, it's the text. And the more text I give you, the greater chance it will change your life. But I, you know what? I think there are probably a lot of statistical arguments that would be made that people's lives don't really change that way. Now, now we could get into a big argument because you'd be like, well, what? why not? I don't know. I think people are typically more motivated by a different type of thing. It's 
how rhetoric, how your speech, how rhetoric it can be used to motivate, to change. How if you're a good storyteller, a good presenter of ideas, you use inflection. You know when to use humor, use when to use a sad story. That you can really reach in, touch the people the right way, and boom, they'll never forget it. Now, the problem is the preacher has to try to present that week after 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 week trying to be that. And then I think that can lead to major burnout or you start, I don't know what you start doing. It's a far different when you just say, look, all I got to do this week is look at the next four verses and be ready to preach that. That is a major relief for the preacher. But then are people's lives truly being changed? Are people's lives changed with being all the text, the text, the text, the text, the text, the text. Now, I've been criticized myself. You're too academic. It's too scholarly. It's too, it feels like a seminary. It doesn't feel like preaching. Preaching is supposed to touch the people. It's supposed to motivate. It's supposed to impact. And all I, and all I ever say is like, all I've got, that, that to me is human manipulation. And I think that that change is never truly lasting. That's my own. Look, that's my, I can't, I don't have any more scientific proof to counter what he says, but I think we've got 2000 years of church history. There's been a million sermons preached to motivate and to challenge people. And trust me, we're still the same kind of sinners that we are. To me, I'm tired of people of, of human words. I, I, I always tell people, they come to my church, all I've got is the scriptures. That's all I've got. And I promise you, I'm going to give you the scriptures. You may not like me. You may not like my personality. But we have no programs, no gimmicks, no nothing. We're going to open up the Bible and I'm going to, and I'm going to do my best to expound it to you for an hour. And Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night and Wednesday. That's it. That's all we got. And almost inevitably, people at first go, oh, I love it. And then inevitably, they, they turn. And then they no, I just, they want something else. They can't ever articulate it. They typically, their go-to is, you never preach the gospel, which is the most ridiculous thing and, and possible because we have done 50,000 hours on justification, uh, imputation, pro, uh, propitiation. I mean, on and on and on and on and on. And on. But, they, but what they're looking, they just want a sermon. They want that nice little sermon structure. They want that kind of more of a speech. But that sounds biblical. They like that feeling more motivated. It, it, it touches the emotions where I tend to go, we're just going to dig into this. And we may get bogged down into some like, you know what? Hey, we got to figure out the meaning of that word because churches all over the place are saying it means this or means that. We're going to figure it out. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, I know that word is used 3,000 times in the Bible, but for the next six months, every service, we're going to go through every scripture that references that word because we're going to find out what it means. Now, when you say you do that, people are like, that is not church. Well, where else are you going to do it? But there, he's arguing that people are changed by topical, not expository. And I will say the reason they're changed by topical is because typically that's it's going to be structured more like a speech. A speech to convince, a speech to try to promote an idea. And it will use those speech techniques that you, if you've ever taken a speech, I've taken speech classes so many times, I've lost count. I've had college, uh, uh, what, two, three different military 
uh, instant, you know, military training that I had to go to, uh, Airman Leadership School, the NCO Academy. I think there was one other. There was like three different times. And we had speech class there and had to give three speeches. I, I've been through it so many times. An online school, I had to do speech class and record uh, speeches. I, there's so many. It's ridiculous. So many that I've done. Probably four or five now. And um, so you learn those techniques, And the reason they teach you those techniques is because those techniques are proven to impact people. I mean, that's why the whole TED Talk thing was so popular, right? Because those speakers are great communicators. So your life is being changed due to the quality of the communicator, not obviously the power of the text. And is that, have we all been convincing ourselves that it's the text when it's never been the text? Um, by the way, Wednesday night Bible study, guess what I'm doing? Expository preaching verse by verse through that. Many times in Sunday school, we'll do the same thing as teaching. Okay. Um, but boy, I was taught a sermon is a greasy wrench to fix a problem. As pastor, as uh, the under shepherd, you go to the word of God, the apothecary, and get the medicine that's needed and come back and preach it. Make sure it's truth, not error. Make sure it's filled with the spirit. Make sure it's what God wants you to preach. And incredible what comes out of that. And um, I'm afraid that people are buying into something that is really going to hurt their churches and people. Um, Everyone, about 200 people answered that. Every one of them that named a sermon, it was a topical sermon that God used to change their life. Pretty amazing. Their surrender to God, uh, their salvation, something really big in their life that changed their life. It was a topical sermon. Please do not throw that away. Understand, it's funny, even the guys that tout the expository preaching, so uh, there's a place for it. And they talk about when they really needed to fix something. Guess what they did? They went to the Bible and found a topical sermon and preached that topic. When you really need to change something, it's topical Bible preaching. That's how Jesus preached, how Paul preached, how all of them preached. I'm a little sarcastic sometimes. So when I see someone touting only expository preaching, I'll say, amen, just like Jesus and Paul, okay? which of course they never did. They never went to some Old Testament passage. They quoted Old Testament all the time, but they never went to some Old Testament passage and pulled it out and gave it a, gave an expository sermon about it. They never did. Now that's a powerful point. If we're going to base preaching that our preaching must come from the example of scripture, did they, did they do expository preaching? Did Paul do expository preaching of the Old Testament? Did Jesus? Now you could say, well, Jesus, I mean, nobody follows the way Jesus preached, right? I mean, no one. I mean, he told lots of stories in his parables, right? So, I mean, like, like, so we don't, so some will say, well, Paul, sometimes you, but even when he makes references to the Old Testament, that's not expository preaching. He's not breaking the text down in any way, shape or form. Now, some will say, well, we don't get our ideas about preaching from the text itself. We get, we, once we realize this is what God has given us is his word that really think of it this way, that the concept of expository preaching is not derived from the example we find in the Bible. Expository preaching is derived from the idea that the Bible is it. It's the authority. It is the word of God. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. It is the thing that changes people's lives. Therefore, the preacher's job is to give this to the people. 
And so what type of preaching will you do that? Well, topical preaching, are you really giving the text to the people? No, you. because so many times in topical preaching, Scripture is removed completely from its context, and it's it's. I think in many cases it's being abused and misused. Expository preaching at least keeps you within the text, and you're saying the text is what matters. So then you would have to say expository preaching is not the kind of preaching because we got it from the Bible. Expository preaching is the type of preaching because of what the Bible is. Right? Maybe. you You can struggle with this yourself. Let's continue. Okay. So they should be our example. The Bible is our example. Jesus is our example. Paul, boy, what a great preacher. That should be our example. All right, so um, so how? All right, is uh, our heretics created by expository preaching? Okay, let me get into that because uh, that's a topic and what I want you to hear. So I heard a guy on a podcast. Not going to use his name, um, but former. IFB, Independent Fundamental Baptist, now a Calvinist, and moving away from the biblical doctrinal positions in other ways also. And he said this, I remember when I became a Calvinist, I was doing an expository verse-by-verse Bible study through the Gospel of John. And I got to this verse, John six forty four, no man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him and I will raise him up at the last day. And I just knew it. It hit me. I saw it. Wow. Irresistible grace. You cannot come to God. Total depravity. You can't come to God unless God draws you. And then when God draws you, it's irresistible. I got it. God used expository preaching, going verse by verse through the gospel of John to teach me the truth of Calvinism. I knew it. It was then I became a Calvinist or reformed, however he explained it. By the way, look at that verse. There it is. Wow. <laughs> okay, Pastor Baker, I'm going to become a communist too. That, that, that says it. No man can come to me except the Father, which has sent me, draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Okay, first, I can't stand. If you're going to quote that it's from some podcast, play the podcast. Play the clip. Right? Play the clip. Tell people where, where you got this information from. Tell, so the, because guess what? Then I can go back and listen to the entirety of it, right? That's why when we do sermon reviews, I hate to take clips from a sermon. I hate that because it's unfair to the person you're criticizing. Now there, see, he's criticizing someone. We don't know whom it is. We don't know what they've preached. We don't know anything. It was someone who was supposedly independent fundamental Baptist and they moved away. Well, who were they? Give me the sermon. Let me go listen. I can't stand that. Like, here's what someone said. I'm not going to tell you who, I'm not going to tell you where. You can't go listen to it for yourself. Okay. But, but he said that. So now, now, so I, I can't stand that. that. That's why here, when now, even if I'm going to disagree with something, I try to play the entire thing in its entirety or try to play as much of it as possible so that it can be judged accurately and fairly. Now, because he doesn't give the name, then I understand he probably doesn't feel like, well, then I have to tell you. But the only problem is I, I have no context. Now, he's clearly, he doesn't like Calvinism. So is he getting ready to critique expository preaching? Or is he getting ready to critique the doctrine of Calvinism? Because if he was going to critique expository preaching, then why go get, why not get an expository sermon and then review the entire sermon and then critique the sermon and show us what's wrong with it? 
But he is he getting ready to critique expository preaching because someone became a Calvinist as a result of expository preaching? Is that, hey, because someone came to a doctoral conclusion that you don't like because of expository preaching, therefore you're going to throw out that form of preaching because someone ended up at a different conclusion than you did? Look, I've seen people come up to different conclusions with topical preaching, expository preaching, every other kind of preaching. So I I don't know where this is going to go. I hope it doesn't turn into, he's just going to start criticizing Calvinism because then this is going to turn into us not being able to talk about expository preaching. And I got to then talk about whatever he's saying in regards to Calvinism. That's, I I hope he doesn't go that direction. If you're going to criticize expository preaching, show me where the expository preaching is wrong. Don't criticize because someone, because of expository preaching, ended up at a different theological conclusion than you ended up. Now, the question then is, why can three people go to one text of scripture and end up with 15 different conclusions? That raises more deeper issues, more concerning issues. But okay, let's see where he's going to go here. Wow. Listen carefully. Guess what? If he had done a topical study on God drawing us, then he would have found this. John 12, 32. And I... If I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. This, he said, signifying what death he would die. By the way, one of my pet peeves is when people take just verse 32. All we got to do is just lift Jesus up. Just lift him up. Just praise his name. Just lift him up. And he'll draw all men unto me. That is so far out of context. The best ways to interpret and understand the Bible, two the simplest ways is number one, in context, number two, compare scripture to scripture. The Bible is the best commentary on itself. If you have a question about something in the Bible, look up all the verses that have to do with that topic, and then that will make more sense to you. When you look up all the verses on that topic, it'll bring that. They take that verse, if we just lift up Jesus, God will draw all men. Yes, we should lift up Jesus, but that's not what that's talking about. Read the next verse. This he said, what? Signifying what death he would die. Being lifted up from the earth is the cross. He is being put on a cross, nailed to the cross, lifted up from the earth. He said, if I do that, if I be lifted up from the earth, if I die on a cross, then I will draw all men unto me. This he said, signifying what death he would die. Context, context, context. All these praise and worship guys and all these uh, uh, praise and worship services are going to, this is the verse they use. No, I don't know how many times I've witnessed to somebody and they were not interested. And you could tell they weren't interested. My job is to give them the gospel. Uh, Guess what happened when you got to the cross? People who weren't interested became interested. When you start sharing what Jesus went through, how his body was broken, how he was bruised and wounded for our transgressions, um, the blood that he shed, everything that happened, marred more than any man, is formed more than the sons of men, didn't look human. People that weren't interested, guess what? They become interested. If I be lifted up from the earth, he said, he'll draw all men unto me. This he said, signifying what death he would die. That's God drawing. How many men will God draw? All men, all men unto me. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. For God sold the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, it's anyone. It's not limited atonement. By the way, we have some podcasts coming up we're working on. 
Okay, see, oh, he's not, he's dealing with his, he, he's trying to give answers to Calvinism. This is not about expository preaching. If that other pastor quoted part of John 6 about no man comes to the Father unless the Father draws him, nobody comes to the Son unless the Father draws him, I, I'm paraphrasing the verse, then go give me that sermon and let's see if he quoted where if the Son be lifted up, then all he will draw all men to himself, speaking, signifying his death. I, I guarantee it's ridiculous to say those who do expository preaching would not bring in that cross reference. That is the most ridiculous thing. When you're working through a text expository, an expository way, then what you're going to do is you're going to be like, okay, this, this brings up this issue. We have this issue of the father drawing, the son drawing, who draws whom, and what does that mean? So we're going to have to look up every situation where this occurs. So in many cases, within a expositional sermon, it leads to then bringing in all relevant scriptures to that scripture so that we can properly understand it. Therefore, you could say there's a little topical element in it. But to say that expository preaching would not look up the other references to drawing is ridiculous. It's not true. It's a fabric fabrication. It's a misrepresentation. It's not accurate. I've been doing expository preaching a good a good portion of my life. And I clearly at that point, I'd be like, okay, here's this issue of drawing. Okay, well, let's look at all the different perspectives that are brought into the concept of who does God draw? When does he draw? What does he do? What does it mean? Who can read? And, he, and he's like, that, that gets rid of limited atonement because he said whosoever. That, you're completely misrepresenting. Li- li- oh my goodness gracious. Uh, it, it, the whole thing there is a, compl- I, I like, I don't, I can't spend 14 hours correcting his misunderstanding of Calvinism, but he's got a basic, basic misunderstanding of limited atonement, irresistible grace, the basic elements. He doesn't understand it. Give me a break. I, 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 I talk about expository preaching. If your issue is with Calvinism, do a podcast episode against Calvinism. If your issue is expository preaching, then show me a sermon where someone does expository preaching and deals with the subject of the the father drawing men or the son drawing men to himself and then see what they do with that concept of drawing. Do they deal with the Greek word for drawing? Do they deal with all the different places where the English word of drawing is used? Do they deal with the different passages? Do explain, is there a effectual call or an effectual drawing and a general drawing or a general, general call? I mean, that's pretty basic, you know, reform theology. I would assume there's a good chance in an expository sermon that would happen. So, I mean, if you're going to condemn expository preaching, then just go grab the audio, review the preaching, and show us where the expository preaching went wrong. <laughs> he takes a clip. We don't know from where. We can't go listen to the context. From whom? We don't know. And I'm supposed to just go, because of this clip where someone says they came to the conclusion that Calvinism was right because of an expository study of the Gospel of John— Expository preaching is wrong because if they would have done a topical study, then they would have been. You don't think expository preaching does cross-referencing? Expository preachers always say the way to interpret scripture is with scripture. Everyone says that. Topical preaching, independent fundamental Baptists, charismatics, everyone claims that the way to interpret the Bible is scripture with scripture. 
Harold Camping from Family Radio. I would know. I was a student of Harold Camping and his school of the Bible. So I definitely know. And I was taught by Harold Camping, scripture with scripture, scripture alone. Scripture is the final authority. Okay. So I was taught. And he came to the conclusion that the world was going to end in 1994. And then the church age, age was over. Everyone was to leave their local congregations. And if you stayed within the church, you had taken the mark of the beast. So give me a break. Don't give me this stuff that that uh, that expository preachers don't know anything about, um, you know, scripture. Everyone uses the scripture by scripture with scripture idea. Everyone. How do you interpret the Bible? Scripture with scripture. And if you do that, everyone will agree. Everyone says scripture with scripture and we don't agree on anything. So oh, that's just how is that a condemnation of expository preaching? I don't know. OK, All right. take a deep breath. Going on a full blown rant here. Let's 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 let him continue because I don't want to cut him off. Here we go. And uh, we're going to go through every point of the five tulip of Calvinism and deal with every point. Stay tuned for that. But uh, it's amazing how that John six forty four surely comes into context when you say, "Wow." By the way, is it true? Can you come to God unless God draws you? Yeah, of course it's true. It's what the Bible says, <laughs> but. When you look it up topically, you find out that God drew how many people? All men. All men. Huh. Well, it sort of messes up that doctrine, doesn't it? Messes up that. Just limited. What doctrine did it mess? Do you not know the difference between effectual and general call? What are you talking about limited? Everyone believes the atonement is limited. It's either limited in its intent or it's limited in its effect. In other words, Jesus died for everyone, but it's limited to only those who believe. So Jesus died for everyone, but that death is of no value to anyone until you believe. But it's so the effects of it is limited to those who believe. But guess what? You still have a limited number of people who are saved. And who are saved? The people who believe. Limited atonement says the, the intent of the atonement. Jesus died only for the elect. Now, guess who, who will be saved? The those who believe. So you, whether you believe in limited atonement or unlimited atonement, who will be, who will be saved? Those who believe. You're arguing over the intent of it. Clearly it's limited. If it's not limited, you have universalism. Everyone is saved. That's the most ridiculous. I don't even understand why that's a, people get so a bent out of shape over that. Yes. Whosoever believeth will be saved. Right. Whosoever believeth. Who did Jesus die for? Well, you can say he died for everyone. Okay. But you would say that that death is of no effect, of no value until someone believes. Then the effect of the gospel is applied. Others will say Jesus died specifically for those whom he chose and therefore it is effectual for those who believe. So in either case, it's effectual for those who believe. The argument is over the intent. Did Jesus die for everyone? Only die for the elect. Quoting whosoever believeth will be saved does not in any way even address the issue. The issue is if Jesus died for everyone, then why aren't their sins forgiven? Because did he not die even for the sin of unbelief? That's where you start having issues. But this has nothing to do with expository preaching. He's like, if they would just do a topical, if they just do a topical message, it would fix all the problems. You're right. Ladies and gentlemen, all doctrinal disputes would end if everyone would just do a topical study. If everyone would just do a topical sermon, there would be 
universal harmony within Christianity. I was an independent fundamental Baptist. I, I am still an independent fundamental Baptist. My church is independent. We still believe in the fundamentals of the faith and we're clearly Baptist. Guess what? We probably disagree with him on doctrines. And guess what? Not only do I do expository preaching, I've got no problem doing topical preaching. So I could do a topical sermon, you could do a topical sermon, and we would still come to radically different conclusions. That's the deeper issue. Atonement, just for some people? No. He drew all men. And irresistible grace, do all men accept it? No. All men don't accept it. <laughs> that, that one truth right there will mess up two or three of your tulip points. Just the one verse. Amazing. I, I, that's, I hate that arrogance. That one verse messes up two or three points of your tulip. You don't think anyone who's reformed don't know those verses? I hate that arrogance. I can't stand it. I don't care when, when reformed people do it, it drives me nuts. When I do it, it drives me nuts. And when anyone else does, it's always like, well, if they would just read this verse. Well, you don't think everyone, everyone has read the same Bible. The question is, why does everyone come to radically different conclusions? I thought, I thought we were going to get into a much more better discussion about expository preaching. I didn't know this was going to turn into just basically his dislike of Calvinism. Um, so, by the way, what happened when he got to that verse in his verse-by-verse -verse study of John? He'd already made up his mind. He's a Calvinist. By chapter 6, verse 44, when he got to chapter 1232, saw that God will draw all men. Uh, he's already a Calvinist. I guess it doesn't matter. His mind was already made up topical study. Now, he just made an accusation at someone. What did he do when he got to John 12? Oh, his mind was already made up. Whoa, 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 whoa. Back up, back up, back up, back up. You're going to accuse someone of that. Play the audio. Give me the name. Play the audio. I want the name. I want the name of the person. Give me the name of the person and I will go look up his expository sermon on John 12 and see exactly what he does. If you're going to now see the thing is he didn't give the name. So there's no way I can track it down. So we have no clue. We have no clue. We have no clue who this mysterious Calvinist is who supposedly when he got to John 12, he ignored it because he'd already made up his mind. That is a full blown accusation against a fellow brethren. A, a, a fellow pastor, a fellow el elder. If you're going to make an accusation, now the thing is because he didn't give the name, he can't be held accountable. So he's like, here's this person. They're really well known. Okay. Oh, and they said this. Oh, look at them. They don't know how to handle the Bible. They don't know how to preach. And we got to John 12. What is it? Show me. Play the sermon on John 12. Play the sermon. Now, see, the question is, why do people, why everyone does this? We judge, we judge, we judge, we judge. He's judging someone and their preaching style, but he won't give us the actual sermon so that we can go listen to it and offer our own critique. So he, it, this is like creating a straw man, knocking the straw man down, and I have no way to go verify anything that's being said. Not just exposition, verse by verse by verse. If he would have looked up, okay, God said that no one can come to him except the Father draw him. Okay, I need to study draw. 
I need to study how God draws us. Uh, the word draw, 75 times used in the Bible. Most of the time, drawing water. Uh, many times, drawing swords. Uh, sometimes, drawing near or drawing nigh. Draw nigh to God, and he'll draw nigh to you. Two, <laughs> where God is drawing us. John six forty four and John twelve thirty two. Wow. It's amazing how much a topical study of that topic of drawing would have fixed, and he would not have become a heretic. It would have kept him from going into Calvinism. Uh Give me the sermon so I can hear exactly what he did. He's just given us a, there's this person out there and he did this. And he keeps making accusation after accusation of what the man did, but he won't let us hear what the man did. Play the sermon. Man, I, I could I could create all kinds. Hey, guys, I was listening to this sermon. Not going to tell you who. And this man said Jesus was was an alien from outer space. I'm not going to tell you who. I'm not going to tell you why. And this man's an idiot. OK, well, I, I can tell you anything. Give me the sermon. I want to know. I want to know who this preacher is. And I want to go listen to what he did with John 6 and John 12 and see how he handled expositionally the subject of God drawing us. Uh, is expository preaching causing uh, heretics in this case? I would say yes, because if he would have done a topical study of that, he would have seen, oh, by the way, preacher, how many times? Hey, Christian, how many times has somebody said, oh, I've written this in the Bible, and this is what I found, and they have a thought by a verse, and then you go, okay, it's a neat thought, but what about, what about, what about, what about, what about, what about? Oh, okay, yeah, I guess it's not saying that, <laughs> okay? When you compare Scripture to Scripture, it fixes heresy. How, how does he think expository preaching is not comparing scripture with scripture? I don't understand where he gets this idea that when you do expository preaching, you're like, ladies and gentlemen, we're looking at John 6, 44. Don't look anywhere else. We're not going to do any cross-referencing. We're not going to check anything else. We're going to draw our entire conclusion from this. We don't look anywhere else. We don't do anything else. Where does he get that idea? Has he ever listened to expository preaching? All right, it's 61 minutes, so we're going to have to stop there. You can go listen to the rest of their discussion. There's about 13 minutes left, I think. It's from, yeah, I'm, I'm losing my mind here because I, I, don't, I don't know. That kind of critique of expository preaching really is a critique of Calvinism. And if you want to deal with Calvinism, we can deal with Calvinism. But he doesn't even seem to understand the basic premise of, of the general, uh, the effectual and general call. And someone in chat just posted, just because someone preaches expository doesn't automatically mean they're doing, uh, they are, they are doing topical studies on their own or aren't doing topical studies, I think is what they mean. But it's, it's true. I mean, such, you can do expository preaching, but you're still doing topical studies on your own. So, I mean, he's just making all kinds of accusations, but I will still think some of the basic elements of a topical study still present themselves sometimes in expository preaching. Because when you're going through a text, you will realize, Ladies and gentlemen, this text presents us this subject. This text presents us the subject of baptism. This subject, this text presents us the subject of election, or this subject presents us the subject of calling or drawing. What is the similarity or difference between calling and drawing? Is there one call, two call? Is there a general and effectual? Is there a general drawing and an effectual drawing? Um, 
Yeah. Okay. Aren't right. Okay. I, I understood what they meant. Uh, so, uh, uh, so the, I, I like, he, he, I, oh, I don't even know what to do with this. He's criticizing a sermon that supposedly was because someone uses expository preaching, became a Calvinist. He won't let us hear the sermon. He then makes accusations against the person of what that person supposedly did when they got to John 12. But he doesn't let us hear what the person actually did with John 12. In fact, he doesn't even let us hear the sermon on John 6, whatever, 44. He doesn't let us hear anything, just makes all these accusations, then a very condescending way. If people would just do a topical study, oh, they wouldn't be a Calvinist. Okay, now I'm, no, I'm, now I'm doing a little bit of mocking. Okay, so that was sinful. That was wrong. I apologize. Okay, but it's very irritating and arrogant to act like that someone never has become a Calvinist by doing a topical study. Never, never. No one's ever become a Calvinist by doing a topical study on election or a topical study on, I don't know, like depravity, like a topical, all the effects. Oh, wait. I became a Calvinist through topical studies. No way. Yes, I became a Calvinist through topical studies. I became a Calvinist while attending an independent fundamental Baptist church doing topical studies because I heard sermons on these different issues, right? And I would be like, okay, well, election. Let me look up the all the different places where election occurs. Okay, how do I understand this? Okay, wait, how about depravity? What are all the effects of depravity? Well, if these are the effects of depravity, then how can someone who's depraved be, be saved? And it, topical studies were very instrumental in leading me that direction. Did I hear expository sermons? on? Actually, I don't know if I heard any expository sermons on the subject. I think it was topical studies, almost universally. So wait a minute. It was topical studies that turned me into a Calvinist. Ladies and gentlemen, I am telling you today, do not do topical studies. Yeah, so much for that. See, if you're gonna if you're gonna use your little example, I can use my example. I have a personal example. I can go back to those days sitting there trying to figure it out. And I wasn't doing exposition through books, I was doing expositions of, of sections of scripture, maybe you could argue that way. In other words, I was taking like, okay, here, this verse talks about election. Okay, who's it referring to? Like, what, wait, what does that mean? Okay, what does the word mean? Okay, I don't understand this. Wait, did God choose? Wait, God chooses? Wait, we are called the elect. If we are the elect, there has to be an election. So then how are we elected? Are we elected because God foresees faith or we are elect because God gives faith, right? And then if God foresees faith, but his seeing the faith ex- happens before I get the faith. So it has to happen. Then I started having philosophical issues. Okay. Those were doing more topical based studies. So that that's just, it's just ridiculous to say if you're a topical, that no one doing topical studies would ever become a Calvinist. That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my entire life. And so if you do topical studies, you'll, guess what? I guess you'll always end to the conclusions he agrees with. But what does he do if you do a topical study and you come to a conclusion that he's wrong? Because there's plenty of people who do topical studies who don't agree. That's a, ma- that's a maddening thing. But go listen to the rest of it. Let me give you the, uh, the title of it. Let me go find it here. Um, 
Hang on, I've got like 5,227 uh, windows open here on my iPad. Okay, here we go. Or tabs, not windows, tabs. All right, here we go. That is the end, the fundamental Baptist podcast, the fundamental Baptist podcast. It's on all the podcasting apps, the fundamental Baptist podcast. You'll have to go down to episode 48 is Expository Preaching Creating Heretics from Tuesday, June the 13th, 2023. It's available on all podcasting apps. Please subscribe. Please go listen to the rest. You can probably fast forward to about the last 13, 14, 15 minutes. You should pick up where we left off. They get the download and stream. And look, even though I strongly disagree, strongly, strongly disagree with what they just did, and I definitely don't like that little game of telling me that this is what was said, but you're not giving me the ability to go actually listen to what was said. Um, well, then guess what? Even though I disagree with that, I still want you to subscribe to their podcast. And I still want you to listen because I do still think they offer a podcast that gives you plenty to think about and, and will still be spiritually beneficial. Uh, listen, I don't always, if I just listen to what do I agree with, then I always think I'm right. I have to listen to things I don't agree with to be challenged because the one thing I know is I don't know everything. But I do know that there are some clear, major theological misrepresentations. And his critique of expository preaching basically came from, well, this preacher became a Calvinist because of expository preaching, therefore expository preaching is wrong. That's basically, and because 200 people told him that the sermon that changed their life was topical, not expository. Yeah, yeah. You can do what you want with that. All right. Email me. News. If at yahoo.com. That's news. If at yahoo.com. News. If at yahoo.com. Tomorrow, as you go to church, your pastor is going to present the message using some preaching style. Do you think one is right? One is wrong? And where do you come in as the supposed judge of the preaching? What should be our mentality when it comes to that? Most importantly, though, what we should hope is that we'll go tomorrow with the right attitude. We'll hear the word of God preached. We'll take what is preached seriously. We'll take the text to heart and hopefully be convicted, challenged, so that we will all move forward spiritually because we probably all need to in some way, shape, or form. Thanks for listening. Everyone have a great night. Thanks to the person making the comment. Uh, I appreciate it. Everyone have a great night. Enjoy church tomorrow. God bless.